Welcome, everybody. A uh, special welcome. I heard we got about uh, eight or ten disciples from the Phoenix Campus Ministry here today. Great to have you guys here. Stand on up. Where are you? Well, we got teams. Okay, well, I guess they're spread out all over. There you go. Well, great to have you with us. Scattered. Today we're going to talk about the worthy life. And we're going to delve into being worthy. But it's not what you think. Because when we come across that word, most of the time, the first place we go is, how much am I worth? Am I valuable? Am I important? Does, do I matter to God? God makes it clear in His Word that one soul is the most valuable thing there is. It's so valuable that He sent His Son to die for every one of us. So we're not going to be looking at worth. But we are going to be looking at the concept of being worthy. And we're going to start over in 2 Thessalonians 1. In verse 3, we started, it says, We ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more. And the love all of you have for one another is increasing. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials you are enduring. All this is evidence that God's judgment is right. And as a result, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He'll punish those who do not know God and who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They'll be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might on the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at among all those who have believed. This includes you because you believed our testimony to you. With this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and that by his power he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. We pray this so the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, Paul, as he writes this letter, brings out this concept and he says, you know, one day Jesus is going to be coming back in his glory. And he says that I want you to be counted worthy. You say, what does that mean? He talks about that God is going to make you worthy. And I don't know if any of you have seen the symbol. Uh, it's a bumper sticker that's on Brooke's car. And I said, Brooke, what's up with Hecky? And she said, Uncle Ron, it's not Hecky. It's he is greater than I. 
Yeah, so all of you that thought it was hecky too, I just helped you. I took one for the team. Okay? Yeah, so if you've been wondering what, what hecky stand for, it stands for he is greater than I. God is greater than I. Now, hopefully that's not a struggle. Hopefully this simple math equation you don't wrestle with. Now, sometimes we do. And we want the greater sign to be the other way. And we want it to be that our opinions and our feelings matter more. And so we want to flip it. I am greater than God. Well, that's definitely not the case. God is amazing. I actually love what verse 10 uh, says in chapter 1. It says, On the day that he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at among all those who have believed. That means the day when he comes in his glory, that it's going to be so amazing that all of the faithful men and women, we're just going to sit there and go, wow, God's incredible. You know what that means? It means this, that he was the original Marvel superhero. Okay? There's going to be a day. The first second that you see God in his glory is going to make all the pain, all the suffering, all the perseverance, all the hardship, you go, oh, it's totally worth it, and I've only done this for one second. God is that amazing. You see, too often we, we get skewed is where the greater than sign comes from. And yet that's we're still not to the point of what it means to be worthy. You see, in this chapter, Paul says that you're counted worthy of the kingdom and that God may make you worthy of his calling. Now, you say, what, what is this word? Well, worthy, the Greek word is axios, which if you remember in math, you remember axioms? Okay, an axiom is a true statement. It's a fundamental principle. It is a starting place of truth for future discussions. You say, why is it true? Because it's self-evident. They actually say an axiom cannot be proven. If it can be proven, then it is no longer an axiom. It is just self-evident. You see it, and it's true. Another word to describe it is the idea of being congruent, that there's disagreement, and there's this harmony. Yeah, they look the same. This word is what is being talked about when they say that you're going to be worthy. That there's going to be congruence. That that your life, on one side of the equation with God, that there's going to be this congruence that you go, yeah, that makes sense. Me, God, yeah, we look the same. We do the same things. That's the principle that's being carried on here. So let's look at a few verses where this is used. Go to Luke chapter 3. 
You had John the Baptist. And he's preaching a prophet's message. And in chapter 3, verse 7, John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our fathers. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe has been laid to the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Say, so where does this word axios, this idea of worthiness, produce fruit in keeping with repentance? It's saying that the actions of repentance is a demonstrable fruit. It shows the congruence of a life that is repentant. John the Baptist, these people were coming out and they were like, hey, we want to be baptized. And he's like, yeah? Is there congruence in your life? Does your life look the way repentance ought to look? And he uses the same word. And he said, just in case you want to get prideful and start looking at your pedigree and refer back to Abraham. He said, no chance. He goes, I don't care what your heritage is. You must produce fruit to show the congruence, to show the worthiness. Same word in in keeping with. You go to Acts chapter 26. Come on, keep your Bibles going. So Paul's testifying before King Agrippa. He's on trial. And in verse 19 he says, So King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. First to those in Damascus, then to those in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and then to the Gentiles. I preached that they should repent and turn to God and demonstrate their repentance. That demonstrate, same word, axios, same word for worthy. Show the congruence. That you demonstrate your repentance. Lost my place. By their deeds. So that's why some Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. You know, not everybody appreciates when you're looking for congruence. You know, in math, we understand this, right? Like the answers on the equal sign have to be the same or you get a wrong answer. Sometimes in our spiritual life, we think it should operate different. God does not. That's why he uses this word. He says, no, the repentance must be demonstrable. It should be a self-evident fact. You should be able to see it. And the Jews, they didn't appreciate it, uh, put up a stink, and they kicked him out of town. Caused trouble. 
You know, Jesus refers to this same concept in Matthew 10. Matthew chapter 10. Verse 37 and 38. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy. Same word. Of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. It's the same word. Jesus is saying, hey, if if you love another human being more than you love me, there's no congruence in your life. Nah, you don't look like me at all. You may come to church. Nah, you're not worthy. The equal sign is problematic. We don't look the same. There's not harmony. He goes, you can't claim to be like Jesus and then say, a human being has more influence emotionally than I have. That's what Jesus is saying. And he says, if you don't take up your cross daily and follow me, you also are not congruent with Jesus. Jesus is saying, our life cannot be this pick and choose highlight reel that, you know, we look back on the past week and go Tuesday morning, 8 a.m. I was Christ-like in that moment. Thank you. We look the same. Jesus is like, no. He goes, what's the pattern of your life? Is there harmony between us? Is it that 24 hour a day, 7 day a week, 12 months a year? He goes, is that's where worthiness comes into play. He says, you got to take up your cross. That's true Christianity. You know, society today is trying to fold Christianity into this comfortable mold. Jesus says that type of Christianity, it's fake. Because incongruent with me, it's not a worthy Christianity. The one that looks like Jesus is the one where you have to take up your cross daily and follow him. That's where we look like Jesus. You see, the issue is not, do you have to come to church on Tuesday? Do you have to come to church on Sunday? Do you need to read your Bible every day? Do you need to have uh, mentoring times together? Like, do you need to go to devos and retreats? Do you need to? You know, if you're asking that question, you reveal that your life and your heart is not congruent with Jesus anyway. Because Jesus says... That you got to take up your cross daily and follow me. That the pattern is a regular commitment. He says, that's the one that looks like me. And by the way, if you're wondering what these symbols are, 
um, this is mathematics symbol for congruent or not congruent. Okay? So they're not just like ancient Sanskrit symbols or whatever. The mathematicians, you guys already knew that. But if you wonder why that's there, that's it. Something else you want to look at with this concept of being worthy is that worthiness is a response. Turn over to Acts chapter 13. See, sometimes we refuse or we, we confuse being called by God with being worthy. It's different. We're called by God always in a state of unworthiness. We can never be worth enough. We can never earn, deserve, or demand salvation. The cost is more than any of us can pay. We all sin and fall short. So the calling of God happens not because we've earned it or valuable enough. God loves us enough. That's why. But there's not a single thing we can do to demand the calling of salvation. But we can choose a response to the call. And that's where worthiness comes in. And Acts uh, 13 says, verse 42, As Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue, the people invited them to speak further about these things on the next Sabbath. When the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. When the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. They began to contradict what Paul was saying and heaped abuse on him. Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly, We had to speak the word of God to you first. Since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. For this is what the Lord commanded us. I made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord. And all who were appointed for eternal life believed. The word of the Lord spread throughout the whole region. So you have an interesting thing going on. The Jews have always been God's people. They were called by God. They were called out of Egypt. God created them to be a people for himself. They were called. But even in the midst of the calling, they had the ability to reject being called by God. And Paul said, well, since you reject the word of the Lord and don't consider yourselves worthy, congruent, you're like, nah, don't lump us in that category. Don't associate us with that Jesus guy. I'll be doing my own thing. Thank you very much. Paul says, fine. Okay, I'm going to go to the Gentiles. And they were fired up. You see, you can be called by God and reject it. It is not an accident that you're here this morning. You know why? God has something to say to you. God wants you to hear His Word. God wants you to know His promise stands for you. He's got a mission. He's got a plan. 
He loves you. He sent His Son to die for you. You're called. But you still have to choose whether you're going to be worthy or not. Are you going to live a life in a way that looks like Jesus? Or are you going to say, no, I think I'll, I'll take my own path. You see, a loving God will not demand worthiness. He lets you choose your path. So you can be called. But you have to decide. So here's, here's the new bumper sticker. Here's the question. So it was, he is greater than I. Now we're saying, I am congruent with God. What does that mean? I am worthy. I am living in a way that looks like Jesus. My values are the same as Jesus. My lifestyle is the same as Jesus. What matters to Jesus matters to me. You don't have to be perfect to look the same. Does this hold true for you? You see, that's the concept of I'm worthy. I have chosen a life. That looks like Jesus. Say, so what's what's a worthy life look like? Well, we're going to look at a few examples. Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians chapter four. Starting in verse one. Paul says, As prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy. Of the calling you've received. He said, hey, you've been called. But you've got to make the choice. Your life's got to look like Jesus. It's gotta, there's got to be that harmony. There's got to be that agreement. Live a life worthy of the calling. What's it look like? Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. You say, what's a worthy life look like? Well, it's humble. It's humble. You respond well to correction. You seek it out. You let the Word of God redefine your life. You care more about others than you do about yourself. It's humility. It's gentleness. Gentleness is a mark of worthiness. You say, no, you got to be opinionated. You got to be strong. You got to express yourself emphatically. Gentleness is what's in the list. Patience. You say, well, who gets to define how long I need to be patient? Isn't that always the important question? I was patient for like two seconds. I was patient. 
Should have been resolved by then. I think I did the full test. Now, the problem with patience is that we're not the ones that get to determine how long we need to be patient. Patience. It says, bearing with one another. Now, that's an interesting phrase. Because you know what it means to bear with one another? That does not mean to get with everyone that's caused you wrong, help them to see the error of their ways. They completely repent, ask you for forgiveness, you offer forgiveness, and it's completely reconciled in a clean slate. That's not bearing with one another. Bearing with one another is that you're just not bugged by other people's sins. That's not really on you. They can go through all their shenanigans and you're like, you know what, I I just love them so much. Yeah, they didn't have a good day, but gosh, love that person. That's bearing with one another. Unity. Are you a unifier? Do people leave your sphere of influence more bonded, more brought together? Or are you a disunifier? You know, gossips and slanders, you're definitely disunifiers. Unifiers take people not on the same page, put them on the same page. And then the, the final thing is, is peace. So what describes the, the inner condition of your heart and mind? Is it peace or is it anxiety? Is it turmoil? So we're talking about, this is Paul, live a life worthy of the calling. Because this is what it looks like. That's quite a list. Uh, go to the next verse, Philippians. Philippians 1, verse 27. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. What's it look like here? He says, stand firm in the Spirit. Say the worthy life. You've got solid convictions. You're not shifting sand. Somebody says something, you're like, oh, no, I don't know what I believe anymore. I'm not sure. You know, like the Da Vinci Code, that was a really good book. Really exciting read, but you know, I, people got all worked up about all these. Oh, what about the Gospel of Thomas and the Gospel of Judas? And oh no, there's a reason those books were not included in the Bible because in the first century, the brothers and sisters around them said, "Yeah, really great stuff," but you know what? We're not going to put that in the God's word. You know what? I love Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings and Star Wars and Star Trek and all this kind of stuff. But can you imagine 
if I was writing a detailed history of our life, and I tried to include Star Wars actual things with Han Solo and Chewbacca and stuff like that as true life occurrences in 2018, you'd be like, uh, hey, Ron, it's from Star Wars. It's a movie. It's the same kind of thing. But some of us, we get all worked up about everything. Hey, the Bible hasn't changed. It's right there. Do you stand firm? Parents, do you stand firm on spiritual principles? Or if the kids complain, do you go, "Ah, okay, we'll make this exception? Remember, we already talked about if Jesus said, if you love a human more than me, you are not worthy of me. You make exceptions. So stand firm in the spirit. So striving together for the gospel. It is a unified. It is a team effort. The Bible talk that you're in your small group. Are you striving together with your Bible talk for the gospel? Are you on board? You know, I got my own plan. You know what? That's that's not what's listed here. It's just striving together. Are you an equal player? Are you are you of equal mind and support? I'm not asking, do you agree with every idea? That's not what this means. Striving together, there's going to be all kinds of diversity of perspectives. But are you a together team player? Are you Lone Ranger? Okay, this is what's in the, the worthiness. And then it says, Without fear of opposition. You know what it doesn't say? It does not say fear of being opposed. Now, the the point of it is that through the opposition, you're not afraid. You're not afraid of people that disagree with your values. You're not afraid of people that disagree with your doctrine. You're not afraid of people that don't respect the lifestyle choices that you've made. This is, that's worthy. We will be opposed. The issue is how do we handle that? Then finally, in, in Colossians chapter 1, one more verse. Starting in verse 9. Paul says, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding the spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. Bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. He says, what's the worthy life look like? He said, you're bearing fruit in every good work. He said, you do things with your Christianity. 
Your life spiritually is productive. We're not talking about having a high-powered job with a great bank account. No, we're, we're talking about the spiritual impact of your life. You can do that with a lot of money. You can do that with no money. But the point is, there's expectations that as a Christian, your life should have an impact. That you are bearing fruit in every good work. That your life makes a difference in the lives of other people around you. That's the fruit of your life. It's making a difference. It's just growing in the knowledge of God. That you know God better today than you did last year. And the year before. That you have more faith. That you have more insight. That you're more connected with the heart of God. That you have greater discernment. That you're growing in the knowledge of God. That's, that's what the worthy life looks like. We're not supposed to like ramp up our knowledge as a young Christian. And then once we kind of get enough, whenever that is, now we just kind of live life with the knowledge base that we already have. No. You know, young Christians, you, you don't really have to think about this because you're fired up to learn. This is more to the older Christians. Are you still growing in your knowledge of God? And I'll, I'll tell you a good litmus test for this. How do you feel about your quiet times? You say, what's my quiet time? That's where you connect with your God. Say, so is it consistent? Is it deep? Is it passionate? Is it enthusiastic? Is it meaningful? Is it life-changing? Say, so if not, you've stopped growing in your knowledge of God. You can pray and read your Bible and not grow in your knowledge of God. It can be a checklist item, something you have to do. So we need to commit, grow in the knowledge of God. Then he says, strength. You be strong. Be men and women of character. Life's not easy. Be strong. We're going to go through hard times. We're going to be challenged emotionally, spiritually, physically. You gotta be strong. I said, you know what? You need endurance. You know, there's just times in a Christian life, it's like rowing the boat in the midst of a storm. You're running into a headwind and you're just working hard and you're not gaining much ground, but you're working hard. Your heart's in the right place and you just gotta endure. How long? Till the wind stops blowing. Or Jesus gets in the boat and then miraculously it makes it to the other side. Listen. There's just times in the Christian life you go, I'm doing what's right, but I don't feel like I'm gaining any ground. Continue with that faithful endurance. And then patience is repeated. And then finally it says, joyful thanksgiving. Now that's a convicting one, isn't it? Joyful thanksgiving. If we were to all print out our prayers over the last week and hand them to everybody in the audience would it be chock full of joyful thanksgiving you know there's some days where i go oh i'm on it joyful thanksgiving yep then there's other days where it's i call it the demon of no good reason that's where you know david's like my my soul why are you downcast he's like i'm bummed out i don't even know why 
Sometimes you're mad. You know, what's a worthy life look like? There's consistent, joyful thanksgiving and going to our Father in heaven. That does not mean that there's nothing bad going on in our lives. That we're joyfully giving thanks through that. that, Those are passages that talk about the worthy life. You know, when you live a worthy life, when you represent Jesus accurately, when you got those, when people look at you and they go, wow, you know, when I see that, I see Jesus. They may not realize at first that they're looking at somebody with a worthy life, but it starts making a difference. And uh, it's pretty awesome. Uh, this is a picture. Uh, you may remember the two guys on the outside. Uh, the guy in the red hat, Greg Taylor. He, he studied the Bible with me back in 1988. And then his son, Cam, is on the right. But they live in Halifax, Nova Scotia. You may have met them. They were in town uh, for uh, Michael and Lindsay's wedding. Or at least Greg was. But the guy in the middle, his name is Graham. And Greg is director of Hope Worldwide for Canada. And they've got this really great Hope Project in Halifax. And every month, the Halifax Church uh, is a part of this program, and I can't remember what it is, but it feeds about 200 uh, homeless people a meal. And they do that every month. Well, the guy in the middle, Graham, two years ago, decided, hey, I want to do something and help out in the community. And so he found out about this program, so he went and just wanted to help serve homeless people. But you already had a whole bunch of disciples that were there because they just do this every month for the homeless community in Halifax. So for two years, Graham hung out with the disciples serving homeless people. And then finally, last August, and actually we were were there for that service, the 20th anniversary of the Halifax Church, Graham said, hey, I'd like to go to your church. Two years of serving together on a monthly basis. And then he said, you know what? I'd like to go to your church. Well, he studied the Bible. I'm excited to tell you, as of a couple weeks ago, Graham is your new brother in Christ in Halifax. You say, what happened? Well, he served homeless people with disciples. And over two years, he said, what, like, what's different about your life? Oh, it's church. I want to go to your church. You see, when you live like Jesus, you'll have the impact of Jesus. Jesus tells us in the Gospels that because he's going to the Father, we will do greater things. Jesus knew exactly what he was doing when he said, you're my ambassadors. What's the key? To live a worthy life. I want to close out where we started back in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Verse 11 and 12. With this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and that by his power, listen to the words here, he may bring to fruition your 
every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. Who is the originator for the desire for goodness and the deed prompted by faith? It's the person living the worthy life. And then God says, hey, I'm going to get my power involved with your desire for goodness and for your deed prompted by your faith, and I'm going I'm to make it happen. Isn't that cool? That when you say, yeah, I want to live the worthy life, what's the outflow of that? You desire to do good things. That your faith prompts you to do good things. And then God gets his power in step with your desire and actions. You see, too often we, we want to reverse that. And we go, well, I'll just sit. And once God prompts me, then hopefully I'll get on board. Now, when you say, I will live a worthy life, you're saying, no, I, I want to do good things. And I've got all kinds of faith to accomplish all kinds of things. And then God's spirit goes, oh, this is awesome. We're going to do this together. But that happens when this graphic is true. I am worthy. I look like him. There's agreement. There's harmony in our life. Yeah, you matter so much to God. But your worthiness is a different concept here. Oh, you're called. God's made that clear. Message loud and clear. He loved you so much, he sent his son to die on the cross for you. Now, the choice is yours. I pray that each one of us say, yes, I will live a worthy life. Amen.